we on? Are we on? No, we're not on. For some reason. That's it. And we're looking at the um, mission statement of the church, following Jesus, caring for each other, and impacting the world. So we've been focusing on the following Jesus for these last few weeks. Uh, Most of these messages have been based on a book that I've been reading by Kyle Eidelman, not a fan, developing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And if you have a chance to read the book, it's available on Kindle, that's where I'm reading it from. Uh, uh, Or some people have copies in the church, you might like to borrow one. It's a great encouragement that we make our relationship with Jesus real and not just on the outside. So this morning, uh, I want us to think about this verse in particular uh, to start our thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Paul writes some final words in this letter to the Corinthians to a church that was very worldly, very carnal, very uh, self-absorbed, and he was trying to get them to refocus their eyes of faith on Jesus. He says this in verse 15, it says, examine yourselves, or in other places, other, other translations say, test yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. What's Paul saying? You won't recognize that Jesus is in you if he's not there. So he's saying, check out that you really know Jesus. Test yourself regularly. What does it mean to recognize that Jesus is in you? Don't know about you, but the word tests used to send me into a nervous anxiety when I was at high school. Anybody like that? You know, I would much prefer assignments. You know why? Because it took me a while to build up the assignment. I could plan it out and I could do really well in the assignment. But when tests came, I had to remember everything that I'd learnt. And that wasn't always easy. So like most other people, I crammed a couple of nights or maybe a few nights before. And I wasn't, I wasn't probably the best student that I could have been. I was an average student. But whenever we had the test that was coming up for my favourite subject, which was uh, geometrical drawing and perspective, uh, which was uh, drafting, I was so looking forward. It was my favourite subject. And the teacher was great because he'd tell us what the test was on. So it meant you could actually study the things that you had to do. And so, believe it or not, it was my favourite subject. I actually did study the things that we were supposed to do. So when it came to the test... Did I get 100%? No. I got 98%. But it was my favourite subject. And that was the only subject that didn't give me the shivers when I was at uh, high school. And then there was other subjects at Bible College where where, um, they did tests rather than assignments. I love the assignments. The tests used to to, um, keep me up to midnight studying. You know what? I I realised what it was. um, My attitude about the test was driven by my preparation for the test. If I hadn't prepared well, then I was freaking out. I probably freaked out most of the time with tests, but when I knew that I prepared well and not just crammed at the last minute, when I knew that I understood the topic, the subject that the test was about, I actually didn't freak out as much as the test itself. Paul tells us in that verse alone that we should test ourselves. And in fact, this, this test is, is the big stuff test. It's, it's the biggest test that we will ever have in life. And that's to test ourselves 
to see whether we are following Jesus, whether we are in the faith. That's the test that we should ask of ourselves. It's not about graduating high school so you can spend the next four years at university or college or or in a trade. This test is about life. It's about death. It's about hell. It's about heaven. It's about eternity. Sometimes we don't test ourselves. And sometimes we're ill-prepared for the situations in life that we face because we aren't confident that we are in the faith, that we are following Jesus. So that's Paul's encouragement. The question that we've been looking at for the last few weeks is, are you a fan or follower of Jesus? Are you a fan or follower of Jesus? And Jesus, in fact, if he was to give us a test, might say something like, if you love me, keep my words. In fact, I think that's actually a Bible verse somewhere. You will make me first and you will surrender to me as Lord. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that's what these messages have been about. Are we simply a fan, admiring Jesus for who he is, what he said, what he did? Or are we a follower that says, I want to commit my life to you. I want to do what you want me to do. That's the big question. And for this last message, I want us to consider this question. Will you go with Jesus? Will you go with Jesus? Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62 says this. Jesus is with his disciples. Luke chapter 57, verse 9 says, And as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Don't know how that would have affected you if you'd asked the question or made the statement, and that was Jesus' response. But that was the first man. He said to another, verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's the second fellow that wanted to follow Jesus or Jesus asked him to follow him. And verse 61 says, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Luke, who was a doctor of medicine and a historian, wrote this, recorded this story of Jesus' encounter with three men and three different men. And I believe each of those men represents a type of people today and their approach to Jesus or their desire for Jesus. I believe all of them could have been called fans in one way or another. We're going to consider that today. Each man poses a question for us to answer, to check out whether we're fans of Jesus or followers of Jesus. And the first question, will you go with Jesus wherever? Will you go with Jesus wherever? I I, um, normally go to a, a pastor's conference every year, Baptist pastor's conference in Queensland. And for many years, up until about six years ago, I had the, my main aim in going was to meet some of the younger pastors that were coming into the uh, ministry and to hear their story, to hear their heart for God and, and their call from God. And, and that was great. It was, ex- it was exciting to do that. About six years ago, I went to a conference and in listening to some of the stories of these young 
men. Um, I heard that they weren't prepared to go wherever Jesus wanted them to go. Their story was basically, I will serve Jesus as a pastor, but as long as it's in southeast Queensland. Pretty sad, eh? Oh, look, I, I don't doubt they had admirable uh, gifts and abilities to serve Jesus in southeast Queensland if that's where he wanted him. But it disappointed me for a couple of years that that was a story I had. And then a few years ago, I went to the same conference, and again, I heard men saying, we will serve Jesus wherever he sends us. That's really what what I wanted to hear, because I believe that's what the scriptures say. So it was disappointing for those couple of years, but, but if I asked you, will you go with Jesus wherever, what would your answer be? The man that Jesus spoke to, he said, I'll go with you wherever. Would you be brave enough to do that? Most of us uh, who are detailed people, some people might even call us control freaks from time to time, we'd probably say, where exactly does that mean, Jesus? You know, you say wherever, but give me some more detail. Jesus says wherever. Simply, he says wherever. Wherever Jesus says, wherever he leads, wherever he guides. There used to be a song sung at baptismal services when I was a young fellow, and the chorus went, follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere, I will follow on. And uh, that's what Jesus is looking for. But sadly, some people say wherever, but don't mean it. And they are fans of Jesus. In the Old Testament, there's a classic example. When God called Abram to take his family and move to the promised land that he was giving to the people of Israel, Abraham went. He went wherever. He didn't actually know the way. He didn't, he didn't know where he was going to end up. But he went where God told him to. You know, saying, yes, Jesus, wherever, sounds good until Jesus puts his finger on you and says, how about there? Now, wherever it sounds like it's got no boundaries, it sounds like there's no borders or restrictions, and it sounds like when I say, yep, I'll go wherever, you're all in. And it's the great sort of uh, confession that you'd love to hear at the end of a message where, where God's calling people to serve and people come forward and they'll say, I'll go wherever God wants me to go. But what if wherever is a change of location and God's asking you to move out of Atherton and move to an isolated township, say, like Bamiga up on the tip of Cape York or Weeper or, or to PNG, some place that you're unfamiliar with or don't know very well. You know, really, that's a part of wherever. And if, if you say, I'll go wherever you want me to go, then you're saying, wherever. Some people think to change their regular uh, schedule during the week and their priorities is going wherever, but it's more than that. There's one common thing in all these questions in that is that God wants to change something in our lives. Some people have heard this and they've, they've, they've heard you know, God wants you to go wherever, and you say, well, what's with this wherever? Sadly, that's how fans respond. They respond with wanting to know more 
They respond with a lack of trust, if you like. But followers will say, Lord, take me, I will go. Jesus does call people. He does, he knows what our response will be like or is like at a heart level. And you remember the story in the Gospels of the rich young ruler who had done everything in his ability to live the way that he thought God wanted him to do. But sadly, Jesus allowed him to walk away and not be his follower because there was something of greater priority in his life than what Jesus would be. So Jesus calls people without hesitation, without any uh, 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 way of saying, well, maybe this won't work for that person. But when he calls us, when he invites us to be his follower, he knows that he will stay with us. Wherever. Jesus says, will you come with me? Will you go with me wherever? Maybe he's saying that to you today. A second question that comes out of this these um, verses, I believe, is will you go with Jesus whenever? On his time frame, not your schedule. In verses 59 and 60, it says this. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, it would be a very admirable response, I think, that if the chap wanted to bury his dad, that was the the proper responsible position of a family member to do that. It's the same sort of call that Jesus offers to us. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me, Jesus says. I can't recall one example in the uh, scriptures where Jesus says, follow me, but wait until tomorrow. That's not not there. It's an immediate response required. There's a sense of urgency in the call of Christ because tomorrow is guaranteed to no one. He wants us to follow him now. The call is to follow him now. And uh, certainly in the last 15 years or so that I've been a part of this community, it, uh, I've learnt, and I've probably known for a long time, that uh, death and disrespect is no respecter of persons. Death could happen to anybody t- tomorrow, today. So the call to follow Jesus uh, is a clear call. It's an urgent call. Those words, follow me, are simple to say, they're simple to hear, but they can be difficult to do, can't they? Have you ever wondered why we don't know this man's name in this verse? I think it's because he chose not to follow Jesus. If he had to follow Jesus, we probably would have heard of his name. If he had simply said yes, then we might have read about 13 disciples instead of 12. Jesus said to fishermen, to tax collectors, and to lots of people, follow me. And both the fishermen and tax collectors immediately left their nets, left their store, left their table and followed him. Will you do that too? If Jesus says, if the requirement to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus whenever, will you follow him today? Will you follow him now? A lot of people have supposedly good reasons. I think that maybe they're excuses why they shouldn't follow Jesus today and why they have a delayed response. This fellow said that, oh, let me go and bury my dad. 
Let me go and, and, and hold the funeral for my father. And his response was good in a way. He says, Lord. So he recognized Jesus as either a rabbi or a teacher or, or, or someone who was uh, spiritually mature. So he recognized who Jesus was. That was a good thing in his response. But a bad thing in his response was, but first, let me go and bury my father. I want to do this before I follow you. And I've heard that in people's lives. I want to follow Jesus. I want to do what he tells me to do, where he's called me to go, when he's called me to go, but I've just got to do this first. And sometimes that's an excuse. God doesn't request first place in our... Sorry, God doesn't request first life in the, in the life of a follower. He requires it. He requires that Jesus be first in our lives. The uh, Ten Commandments, the first and second commands, I'm sure we're well of. You have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. And you'll not have an idol... Because I am the Lord your God and I am a jealous God. You know, the sad part about this man's response was many of the Bible commentators that I've read agree that his dad hadn't died yet. And it was a normal tradition for the eldest son, if you like, to plan well ahead for that time when their dad would die, when his father would die. So the possibility is, and many of the commentators say, that he was saying, not just yet. Not, you say, follow me, but not just yet. I've got to make sure that everything's ready for my dad, even though he's not dead yet. And so there was a bit of an excuse factor there. I read this interesting illustration this week. A, um, a pastor from the States, Dr. George Sweeting, wrote this story about a family who visited Niagara Falls. Now, we all know Niagara Falls, don't we? Uh, big falls, big drop, lots of spray, lots of water. It was spring and the ice was starting to melt and rushing down the river. Now, one of the things that happened was in these big blocks of ice, there were actually fish frozen in them. Uh, from when they froze upstream, the fish froze in the ice. And as they were coming downstream, the seagulls used to climb aboard the ice block and dig away at the ice and have, them, have an iced fish meal. And that was common. Uh, I actually saw some photos of it. I nearly put some up. And they were riding down the river on these ice blocks feeding on the fish. And as it came to the brink of the falls, as they were about to come over the falls, the, the birds would take off. Except one bird lingered a little bit longer and his feet had melted into the ice block. So that as the as the brink of the falls came, guess what? He started flapping and didn't go anywhere. And somewhere in the flapping, he lifted the ice block a little bit, created enough heat, melted where his feet were, and he flew off. He had delayed the decision too long. He had delayed the decision because he was enjoying his iced fish meal. Sadly, this, doc, this uh, pastor was saying... The same goes for us. The same goes for people. People are so intent on things that will be leading to their destruction that they get caught up in it and they don't see the risks. The danger of delay, he wrote. The danger of delay. 
the danger of responding when God gives you the opportunity can have der- terrible consequences. We can miss out on God's blessings. We can miss out on God's provision. We can miss out on God's will for us. Jesus didn't say to this fellow, he didn't say, I understand, do what you've got to do. Your family comes first. Didn't say that. He said, no, if you really want to follow me, let them take care of that and you come and do the job that I've got for you. Today is the day when Jesus asks us to do things. He doesn't ask us to wait until tomorrow. We sang a song a few years ago, and I want to play it now for a couple of minutes. It's a song that says, Hear the Call of the Kingdom. If you don't know it, just listen to it. It's a great song, good words. If you know it, stay seated and sing along if you want. Are we up there?
He calls today. He doesn't call tomorrow. Tomorrow is not in the conversation. When Jesus calls, he calls today. If there is an RSVP calling you to follow him, the date of response would be today, not a week's time. Will you respond whenever to follow Jesus? Will you respond today? It might mean that you need to surrender some stuff. You might need to surrender a secret sin that nobody else knows about, just you and God. It might mean you need to be generous to someone in need and surrender that time. You might need to speak to your neighbour. You might need to be involved in ministry or mission that God's calling to you, a Bible study. Or you may need to come to faith in him and you've never surrendered your life to him before. Will you go with Jesus whenever? The third question out of these passages today is, will you go with Jesus whatever? Wherever, whenever, and whatever. The third man in this scripture resembles the second man, except he seems to be a volunteer. So Jesus, he wants to follow Jesus, but he doesn't want to follow Jesus right now. He wants to say goodbye to his family, not bury his dad. He wants to say goodbye to his family. And that might seem harmless enough, but in in the Jewish culture, often uh, saying goodbye meant a few months of parties and gatherings, letting people know that you're leaving, and then when you're actually going to leave, so it's a big, long, drawn-out time before you actually leave. Jesus responded to him. What did he say? He said, What did he say? Do you remember? He said, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He wanted to follow Jesus. First let me go back and say goodbye. But Jesus' response was, the time to follow is now. You might think that Jesus was being a bit uh, stern and strong in his response. But he's using that picture of an agricultural uh, oxen and plough in those days. And uh, for us, we'd probably think of a tractor. If you tried to drive that tractor down a paddock, but you were looking backwards, what would it look like? Wouldn't be straight rows. And that's what Jesus was getting at. You have to keep the right focus. Otherwise, you'll mess up the whole garden if you don't have the right focus. It causes problems. You can't drive a car by looking backwards all the time. Unless you're going in reverse, of course. You can't drive a boat. And you can't drive your spiritual life by looking backwards. I remember when God answered prayer. What we really need to be saying is, God answers prayer now. We can't live in the past in our spiritual life. It's an ongoing, keeping on looking forward, walking with Jesus. And sometimes, a lot of times, we're distracted by the things that we put in a higher priority in our lives than what Jesus takes. Because that whatever is more important than him. A fan will say to Jesus, I'll give you anything and everything. And Jesus says to them, what about that? For the rich young ruler I mentioned before, it was his wealth. Jesus said, what about that? For these two fellows in this passage in Luke, it was their family. What about that? Is there something that you refuse to give to Jesus? That's what fans have to 
ask themselves. Followers say, Lord, what you've given me is yours. Do with it what you will. I wonder, is there things that you're not giving to Jesus? Is there attitudes, is there situations that you're not giving to Jesus? There was a testimony of a man who was baptised, full immersion baptism, to signify his desire to follow Jesus for the rest of his life. And when he went into the pool, he realised he'd forgotten to take his wallet out of his pocket. This is in the days when you had paper money in your wallets, not cards. And uh, when he got out, he saw that his wallet was still in his pocket and he said, I've given God everything, even the paper money that's in my wallet. I'm giving God everything. Do you know why Jesus is so strong about giving everything to following him? From history, the people of Israel knew that that if they didn't give God everything, they might end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't give him their trust. They didn't give him their obedience. So often, people who are fans will say, yes, Lord, but... And wander in the wilderness for however long it is. These men that Jesus was speaking to chose their family over Jesus. That's not to say families aren't important, but is your priority Jesus first? I want to finish with this story this morning. William Borden became a 25 year old millionaire back in the 1800s in, in the US. He was. Um, his dad was in the dairy business and, and he was up for inher- inheriting the dairy business. He graduated from university uh, because his dad wanted him to go to university. He wasn't sure about that. So in the, t- in, the t- in the time before he finished on the farm and went to university, he went for a trip around the world in those days, took a while, and he saw the need in places where, where they didn't know Jesus, where there was no gospel presentation. And he chose to commit his life to serving Christ in some of those places. He'd chosen to follow Jesus. He felt a call to the Muslim world of the day. So when he finished high school, his parents said, we want you to go to university. So he went to Yale University in the States. And while he was there, he started a Bible study. And by the end of the four years, there was a thousand students at that university attending his Bible study. He looked back through one of his diaries and he he looked in the diary of his trip that he'd been on around the world and he wrote two words in that diary. No reserve. No reserve. I give God everything. No reserve. He can have my all. And when he was at university, his dad died and in that death he inherited the significant fortune. Graduating from university, he wrote two more words in his notebook, in his journal. No retreat, no going back. No reserve, no retreat. No reserve, no retreat. And so he was planning to go to China to serve God in China. And before he went there, he went to Egypt to do some language study. And while he was there, he caught um, spinal meningitis, a very serious illness in those days. And a month later, he died 
never getting to the mission field. After his death, someone found his journal and there were three words or three couples of words written in that journal. No reserve, no retreat, no regret. So he had, he was prepared to go wherever with Jesus. He was prepared to go whenever with Jesus and he was prepared to do whatever for Jesus. My last question this morning as we finish is this. Will you go with Jesus? Is he calling you? Is he calling you to go to a place you don't know? He might be this morning. Is he, call, is he calling you to move from being a fan to a follower who says, I don't want to be a spectator anymore. I want to take action and do what you tell me to do. It might be an action that is different for you from every other person that, that God calls. Some today might need to come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I've never truly given myself to you before. I want to follow you. Maybe that's you. I want to recognise that you died for my sin. You died so that I might be saved and have eternal life with you. That's what some people might say, I will go with Jesus, I will follow Jesus. Others might need to come to an altar, as it were, and on that altar you place whatever Jesus is asking you to place. It could be, it could be whatever you're withholding from him. It could, could be your family taking priority over him. It could be your finances, your schedule, your entertainment choices, your private life, your attitude. You fill in the box, whatever it is that's prioritised over Jesus. He might be asking you to put that on the altar this morning saying, here Lord, I give this to you. Some may not make a choice today to move from being a fan to a follower. And I believe that's because our spiritual GPS might be broken. I don't know about you, I have a lot of fun with GPSs in the car. Uh, normally I push, push the GPS and it asks me where, what my destination will be, so I type that in. And the next question that comes up is, where are you starting from? Which is usually home. But sometimes when our spiritual GPS is broken, we don't want to move away from home. We don't want to move away from those things that we're comfortable in. If we ever get that place of being a follower of Jesus, then it could be the most painful part of our journey in following Jesus, to move away from things that are comfortable to things that Christ leads us to. A story is told of a a granddad who used to take his grandson with him on excursions, you know, a, a day out in the bush, hunting, fishing, whatever. And one day, Granddad said to his son, you want to go with me today? And the boy said, where? So Granddad left him there and later said to him, if you wanted to go with me, it wouldn't have mattered where. So Jesus is saying, will you go with me wherever? Will you go with me whenever? My time frame, not yours. Will you go with Jesus whatever it takes? That's the question. Will you go with Jesus? Is he calling you? If you'd like to talk about that today, I'd love to chat with you about what Jesus might be saying to you today. But in this next song, as we finish, thanks musicians, come on up. As we finish, it's a great song. It reminds us that Christ is our lighthouse and that wherever we go, he is shining the light on our journey.
but we have to take the first step. And that step is that step of faith and that willingness to follow him wherever, whenever, whatever. Is that what he's calling you today? Have a chat with me after the service. I'd love to encourage you. Let's stand and sing this last song together.